What's up, guys? David here, and welcome to another guest interview. This week, we've got Roy on all the way from... Canterbury. Canterbury. Canterbury, Kent, yes. But it's <laughs> nicer weather than it is here. It's absolutely pouring. Oh, mate, it is howling outside currently, so... Yeah, well, that's going to be good. Did, did somebody say there's a storm coming as well? Probably. You know, there's always seems to be a storm these days at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i think there's a little bit of a lag in the audio as well so for anybody that is watching apologies for the lag today though what we're going to talk about is using different types of areas and interests from your fitness business to actually kind of grow your fitness business at the same time if that kind of makes sense but the best thing to do is just let roy kind of explain it so roy tell us a little bit about the title of this week's episode Okay, so um, when I looked at doing this, I wanted to talk about how you could add in non-fitness services to your business to help, A, grow your business and your revenue, but also make you a better coach. Because at the end of the day, we all want to be better coaches, we all want to be better business owners and more profitable. And what I've been doing for the last 10 years um, is adding in first day training services as like a little subsection of the business. So it's helped with increasing revenue. It's obviously helped with me as a coach as well, because it's a very different style of teaching and kind of to uh, tutoring and coaching. But also um, it's a little bit different. It stops you getting bored and it adds a little bit of a new interest into things. So I know for a lot of us as business owners, every now and then you can feel very groundhog day, bit on the treadmill. And this just spices things up a little bit for me as a coach. Mm, okay. So, Let's kind of talk about different types of areas that we could move into then that isn't, like you say, just coaching all the time. Yeah, so the main one for me is, as I say, the first day training. But actually, the uh, company I do it through, um, I do a mix of health and safety work, um, fire officer work, uh, but their first day training is the main one. And you can also do like your paediatrics for kids and that. So for those of the guys out there that run like kids groups and my, uh, kind of like mum and baby groups, those kind of things. Uh, we do awareness courses for the mums. So it's not like a proper official course, but what it does, it gives them a bit of extra know-how and a bit of knowledge with regards to looking after the kids in an emergency. So we do that within our own audience, um, but we also reach out to other gym owners, small business owners and that. Um, I prefer working within the leisure um, industry, but, you know, there's no restrictions. Um, so that's one of the big things for me is it just stops me getting bored. And because there's so many variations and there's kind of three tiers to it with the first aid stuff. So you've got the main tutoring, but you can also be like a quality assessor at a couple of different levels as well. So you can go and assess other people on their coaching and their teaching. So it makes it a bit full circle with regards to how you assess other people's coaching so you can reflect and better assess your coaching, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like adding CPD qualifications to your belt. So not only you're a uh, qualified yeah. personal trainer, but you have your first aid qualification, you have your kettlebell qualification, you have your uh, defib qualification, and just all the things like you said yeah. to make you a better coach. Yeah, actually. And, you know, you mentioned it there. One of the things I did between leaving my previous job and um, setting up for myself was tutoring for a local college to teach the new generation of personal trainers um, how to be better trainers, you know, because we've been doing this a long time, a lot of us. And it's actually really good to a kind of pass the torch on, as it were, but also you get to have an insight into the level of qualification that's been put out there. So when you're running your own business, you can kind of get behind the scenes and see 
um, actually what are your, the new coaches coming into the industry? What are they actually being taught? And at what level? So you get a better insight from that. So I've done a bit of both, even though that's fitness related. It adds another belt because I do do like CPDs with kettlebell circuits, spin, those kind of things. Okay, so just a question slightly away from that then. For us fit pros who are yep. running sessions, boot camps, in studios, in gyms, or whatever, what is kind of like the standard first aid qualification we really kind of should have? Yeah, so for most of us, um, we only really need the basic one-day emergency first aid at work course. Now, something that's happened a lot with COVID, and this is obviously a bit of a, not, not a warning, it's the wrong word, uh, a bit of a heads up really, um, a lot of providers jumped on the bandwagon for the online training. So with first aid training, what they did is they took the course online, but actually most of those courses are a first aid awareness course. You need to check with mm. your insurers to make sure that will actually qualify you um, with the insurance to actually cover you um, legally because a lot of these online courses – they don't have the practical element and to be competent in first aid you have to do your cpi you have to do your dfib and all those kind of elements as well and you can't do that online nice okay then is there any additional qualifications we should be looking at after we've got that one day when it just comes to let's just say first aid for example yeah um so for all first aid courses now they have to do the dfib part and i know not everyone has a dfib but a lot of communities do now so that's always included but you can do extra courses in that but for us as uh, trainers, we really only need that one-day course. There is a three-day version, but mostly you might have, if you've got a large gym with a large team, say 10 or more coaches, you might have one or two people uh, with the three-day course. But we only really need the one-day course. So we, our industry is quite low risk from a sense of actual injury. Uh, most of it slips and trips. So you don't really need any more than that. And um, you just need to be aware that what your course covers is everything you actually need for your insurance, which is the big thing. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about first aid for the, for yeah. the last five or six minutes. And what other non-fitness based services can you think of that as, as fit pros maybe should be going out to doing to actually make us again a better coach? Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so something else I used to do, I don't do it so much at the moment, is we used to run for a company called Lewisian, uh, like food intolerance uh, bits and pieces like that. So it was just a little finger prick test. Um, obviously, for those with a nutrition, nutrition background and that, um, there's varying kind of scope on that about how effective they are. But they're a really good guy, but they do bring in extra revenue. But that's more of a one-to-one. -one. With regards to... Um, other non-fitness roles i would definitely recommend people to look at speaking um obviously sometimes we speak about the things we know which is obviously fitness but getting involved whether it's things like the podcast or getting involved in speaking gigs which i've done a little bit of as well because you're standing up in a different audience again and all eyes are on you it really gets you to slow down think about how you're going to speak how you're going to interact with the audience as well as um your mannerisms like i'm very um, animated all the time when i'm talking and that and it gets you thinking about how you coach with clients how they perceive you as well when you've got more eyes on you so that's another way that i've done that as well is do speaking gigs yeah it's quite interesting that so like you say and it's not just how to make you a better uh coach yeah i've I can now teach people to do kettlebells safely, or I can do first aid, or I'm qualified in nutrition. It's almost about you becoming an actual better person yourself. So then when you are doing the speaking in front of people or the actual techniques to slow people down when they're rushing through things, kind of the way you talk to them, it actually makes you a better coach overall anyway. Yeah, and like you say, um, a better person, because it gets you to really think about 
what you're doing and saying. And obviously, each of those things I've mentioned, like personal training, is often quite friendly. The first aid's a little bit more structured. There's certain qualification, um, certain standards to adhere to, which we don't really have so much of in the fitness industry about delivery. Um, mm. And then when you do like speaking things, um, like where I've done like seminars and things like that, it really gets you to think about how you come across to a wider audience where you've got less one-to-one interaction. Um, and it definitely makes you more mindful of how you um, approach everything, really. It definitely makes you better. So you're basically saying if you're feeling confident, go and stand on stage and try and be a comedian and see if that works. Well, I don't know about being a comedian because uh, I am not that funny. Um, but <laughs> with regards to um, the confidence thing, actually, like I don't know about a lot of people, I got into fitness because I actually wasn't very confident. And I originally went into the army. I did vehicle mechanics and I hated it because I was like 16, 17 years old, not very confident. Doing fitness actually brought my confidence up. But every time I have done like the first aid uh, teaching or the lecturing or anything like that, it's improved my confidence further. So rather than being confident to go and do it, it's a great way of actually improving your confidence. Yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing you can almost use it as a, a sales pitch as well potentially within the fitness business, like you're going to come into a qualified studio with qualified PTs, but you're also going to be working with fully qualified uh, speaking experts or first aid trainers and just kind of like makes your business sound even better again, I'm guessing. Yeah, but um, yeah, definitely. There's no amount of that. But one of the things that I found is that adding those little extra subsections onto your business means that you stop becoming so reliant on those one or two clients that leave. <clears throat> excuse me so you know like a lot of us especially over the last two years what we found is that when a few people have left it's actually kind of made it a bit rocky and a bit financially unstable yeah, and i know we've all found that adding those extra things in particularly like the first aid and some of the tutoring stuff they've carried on because they're legal requirements like the first aid training so actually for a lot of people they've had to do that even if they couldn't go to the gym and there's been processes put in place so actually Actually, we've had other business from that um, while we've not been able to do all the stuff through COVID. But having those that spread, so you haven't got all your eggs in one basket, really. I mean, like you guys, you know, you've got the gym, DK9. You've got, obviously, all the Fit Pro stuff. You've got the clothing. And it's a little bit like that, diversifying just a little bit. But they're all interrelated to make it a bit more sustainable when there are rocky times. You know, we don't really know what the future holds long term. Uh, with these kind of pandemic type things. You know, we never thought this would happen. And it's just about prepping your business to be a bit more future-proof. Yeah. No, that's, that's like a valid point there. Like you say, if you put all your eggs in one basket and all you're doing is one style of training or one business model, if something goes wrong, for example, the pandemic, you're in trouble. But like you said, you had those additional qualifications fall back on that you could go and leverage, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I know like for myself, like my guys never have to go and pay for first day training or anything like that because I do it all in-house. So it reduces my, some of my year, or three yearly expenses or yearly expenses as well. Um, the big, big thing is, though, is find something that you actually enjoy. So first aid for most people is proper boring, but I actually really enjoy teaching it because I make it fun and I use the skills from my first uh, my personal training to make it more engaging with the first aid because nobody wants to listen to some proper old bloke talking about all the war stories of when he was a paramedic once and you know did all this bullshit stuff and as a result everyone's just like bored because they don't want to be there no one enjoys doing first aid training no one so if you can make it fun make it engaging 
Um, and I really enjoy that. So for those of people that are watching and that and watch this later on, find things that actually you've got a bit of a passion for, find things that interest you and see what opportunities there are that you can either tie in with the business or just give you a break from the business because the last couple of years, I know we keep talking about that, they've been proper stressful for a lot of people. Mm. And it just breaks it up a little bit. So when I go off and do my first aid days um, for the whole day or three days, I can just forget about the gym because I know it's running, it's doing its thing, and it gives me mentally a break as well as a change of scenery as well. No, that makes sense. Okay. So if we kind of stick with the first aid example, yeah. and you say you needed the, the one day face-to-face uh, -face first aid, where do we kind of go and find these qualifications? One, to actually just get the initial qualification, and two, to, like you say, become a tutor so we can go and do it yeah. externally and teach it other places. Okay, cool. Yeah, so if you need it for like your um, gym or anything else like that, obviously one, I travel around the UK quite happily and do that. But also um, for yourself, if you want to get into something like that, there are a few organisations, Highfields is one. I use a company called Nuco Limited, N-U-C-O, Nuco Limited. They're really, really good. And I don't know the spread of people within the FitPro community, um, but if there's a lot of ex-military personnel, they get something called um, LPAS credits, which is enhanced learning credits. And for those that are more recently left, I think you can use it for up to about five or six years after you've left, um, that you can pay to do that qualification yourself through your military service if you've got those credits available. Um, and you just do your basic tutoring assessing course. And that will allow you to go off and do those bits and pieces if you want to do it for yourself, for example. But if you want people to come in and obviously train the coaches and guys at your gyms and that, um, St. John's is a good one. Obviously, Red Cross do it. But there are other local trainers like me in your different areas that will offer a slightly different service. The thing to understand with like St. John's and the Red Cross is they're great and they're like considered the standard because everyone knows them. But the framework they teach is exactly the same as the framework I teach because that's the qualification. Um, the problem is, like, for a lot of those guys, they charge a premium. You know, St. John's, I think, is about £160, £180 per person um, to come on the one-day course, whereas I charge £107 um, because I don't have all the other overheads. I don't have the big fancy website and the centres because I either go to people's gyms and do it on the gym floor or they come to my gym and we do it there. Um, so yeah, there's a few options. You can go with the bigger companies, but they do charge a premium, but it's the same course as some of the more local ones. Like I said earlier, um, the thing to watch out for are the purely online courses. They don't really give you the skills that you need to cover you from a legal and insurance point of view. Yeah. Okay. So if, if we're looking at this now, um, oh, I've lost the question. It's gone for me. <laughs> um, I was going to say, uh what was gonna say oh it'll, it'll come back to me in a minute okay dive into other areas of the first day then quickly while i get it back um so apart from the actual teaching of the courses um if you wanted to so something else i do is um internal to, internal quality assurance so i will go around and watch other first day trainers teach a couple of hours of their course and I'll have a framework to assess them on um, and it gives you an insight to how other people teach how other people coach and how they interact and it um, affords you a level of uh, what's the word um, reflection on how you do it and how they do it so you can improve your services through there as well so that's a separate poll and that adds like you can get 150 pounds for a few hours work um, on average that's the kind of standard fee that people charge for that um, 
And then you can do, uh, it'll come back to me, um, <laughs> other CPD. So for those people that are in different parts of the world, from a first aid point of view, you've got your two first aid at work courses, the one day and the three day. But actually there's activity first aid, there's the pediatric for the kids, there is forestry first aid and kind of more, there's a much bigger remit of first aid courses out there. So for those people that are interested in like being out in the woods all day long, um, making sure people don't chop arms off with chainsaws, there's courses for that as well. So it adds quite a lot of variety and a little bit niche as well, because companies like St. John's, they don't cover those kind of things. So you can kind of make yourself a little bit more um, stand out. Okay, so something I'd, I'd thought of earlier then is it's all great and good thinking about going out to do these qualifications and running it almost as a separate yeah. business. But at what point within your own business should you really start considering it? If you're just a one-man band, is it something you should start doing it then? Or do you should you kind of wait until you have one or two staff members so you can afford to have time out of your business? Yeah, great question. So actually, so I started the first aid before I had the gym. So I started doing the first aid when I was employed about 10 years ago. And then I've had the gym uh, about seven years. So when I first took on the studio, I literally was a 500 square foot studio, just me, um, the usual gym bits. So like a lot of people during the day, middle of the day is really quiet. Yeah. And I know we've got all the admin to do. I know we've got the ads doing that. But if you can be organized and keep on top of it, that daytime hours is prime time to run short courses. Or like the one day course, you can actually split over a couple of sessions. So rather than it having to be a full six to seven hour day, you can actually split that over two half days um, because that's what the qualification allows for. So what I started to do was I do my morning sessions, my PT sessions, kind of six till 10, six till nine. And then I'd come back for the evening. But during the day, I would use that to... Um, create a second revenue stream now because I can pick and choose how often I do that I might mm -hmm. only do 10 of those a year or I might do four of those a month but if you're charging you can have up to 12 on a course so I charge 107 pounds which obviously undercuts all the big boys but actually makes it a little bit more achievable for smaller companies like us to be able to afford to get all their stuff qualified um so by doing that, you can bring in just an extra couple of grand a month um, without a lot of extra work because you've got more people in the room at one time, up to 12 on, say it's 100 quid a go. That's 1,200 pounds just for a day's work. A little bit of expenses, a couple of hundred quid of expenses. But actually, do that a couple of times a month. That could be the big difference between, like for the smaller guys like I used to be, um, paying for your services or paying for the portal or other ways that they can use that revenue to bolster the fitness business so then they can get that coaching or, you know, even pay for a coach and give themselves a bit more time off. There's lots of different ways you can use it, really. Yeah, it's quite a good point. I hadn't thought of that. So like you say, once you're qualified, you might only say I'm going to run two of these qualifications a year or two of these yeah. uh, first aid sessions a year. So then you can fit it into your own diary and everything. Yeah, because it is. So you're effectively like the company I do it for uh, through Nuco. I, it's my business. I just get all the certificates through them. That's how they make their money. Um, but I get to choose exactly what that looks like. I don't have to do any a year, um, or I can do one every week. You know, the, the options are really there and flexible, to be honest. Okay, cool. So to kind of finish then, what are the final things should people consider if they wanted to look into like using non-fitness services to kind of make them a better coach? Yeah, um, I think the big thing really is because everyone's got so many different interests and that um it's find something you're 
interested in or passionate about. And if your fitness business is your main business, that might give you a little bit of financial security to try some of these things that are more hobby-based initially or just a general interest that you hadn't thought about using. Um, even something like, I know like Matt Southam, um, he went off during the lockdown and taught himself how to play piano. He might want to become a piano teacher and do a couple of hours of that a month. You know, this using those extra things, that time, um, just as find out what your hobbies are and you have uh, things you enjoy really is how I would look at it rather than anything specific. Um, mostly because I can't think of anything else off the top of my head right now. <laughs> now no, no, but like, like you said, the, the, the enjoyment bit, I think is the key bit. Like you said, you're doing this to kind of not to facilitate your income, to give you more chances of succeeding. But also, like you say, if you're doing a fitness business, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, it's kind of a break. It's a, almost a chance to refresh and yeah. still get paid for something else as well. Yeah, and that's what I use it for. It is a break from the fitness business. Um, and in the early days, just to go back to that, um, it definitely helped when it comes to paying my rent every month. It definitely helped when it came to um, my income when I lost a PT client. And when I had the small studio on my own, I know a lot of the guys in FitPro um, are smaller gyms and that as well. Uh, that can be quite a chunk when you lose one client. Well, actually, you know, this helps to bolster that up a little bit. And like you say, the biggest thing is that it's not necessarily just more work. It's a break. It's something different. So it gives you a break from the stress of running a gym or PT business. Nice. Okay. So if anybody is watching this and they're quite interested now in becoming a, a first aid tutor or looking into other areas within that they can potentially kind of get in to bolster their income that are not in fitness-based facilities, yeah. how can people kind of reach out to you and have a chat about this type of stuff? Yeah, you know, so I'm in um, the different fit pro groups, so feel free to uh, message me on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram as um, Boom Fitness UK. Um, I don't have a personal Instagram. So, yeah, any of those really, um, just reach out to me that way. Or when you post this, I'm happy to stick my email in there. No, that's fine. Yeah, this will be uh, actually on the podcast. Is it Monday on the following Monday? I don't know. Will yeah. Willow's literally in charge of all this, so whatever she <laughs> says kind of goes, yeah. No, but yeah, appreciate anything else to kind of add about this topic? Uh, do you know what? I, th I think we kind of covered it all there, really. Um, I don't want to keep laboring the same point, so... No, no. Roy, I appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on. Um, and guess if anybody does have any first uh, first aid questions, I kind of want to know if you can come down to their studio and help get their stuff qualified, they'll probably reach out. Yes, absolutely. Not a problem at all. Roy, appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.